Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We were just talking a little bit about topics to go through and I was just saying about a, uh, a client call I had the other night and we went through emotional eating so I think it's, it's a good topic to, to touch on because yeah. in the world we live in I think there's more emotional eating than we actually think. My, uh, my idea really, thinking of it straight away, I, I don't think there's probably anyone who can identify or not identify at some level of eating, eating emotionally. Yeah, I think from like growing up and uh, starting off with uh, people like saying, oh, there's a whole tub of ice cream and the Bridget Jones side of things and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And, and just, it's just got more and more prevalent of actually having so much emotionally eating out there. Yeah, and, and also we tap into that or we get bombarded with that because advertising and marketing yeah. and that feeds on feeds of that. But I think also we, we have moved away from that uh, food is fuel. Mm -hmm. uh, we mentioned a bit with, uh, with our patients, especially with kids who, you know, we kind of relay that to if they're going to, if they've got a cat or a puppy or so, what do you give it, you know, and then you talk about different, you know, food choices we have and would you give your, your, your puppy that? And they quite quickly will say, no, they'll make them make make them uh, sick but we don't apply that same rule to us because uh, food is not fuel mm -hmm. food food comes with social interaction it comes with taste it comes with what do I feel like there's so many elements to it so I don't think anyone really is is immune to being um, being not emotionally connected with with food I think it's massive and I've had my own uh, problems with like disordered eating and then going massively down the emotional eating route. And that was one of the things which I was speaking to this lady about it because she was finding she'd have an argument with her husband or they'd be stressed with the kids, stressed with business. And she'd just eat a lot of rubbish without even thinking of it. And then think she was full and eat some more. Yeah, And it, it was stressing I, her out even more. I think the stress one is a really tough one because um, there's a lot of neurophysiology going on, which most people don't understand or not really conscious about so that classic kind of I just want to eat rubbish it's, it's actually it's not that strong a, that we no, don't have the willpower or that it's a totally in a, an emotional knee-jerk reaction there's strong neurophysiology behind it of the body wanting and craving certain foods and things because we are still behaving like animals we still perceive that argument with a significant other is still physiologically processed the same as if we are under threat of an animal so uh, good, you know survival so our food choices change and, and so I think sometimes we've got to drop a bit of the guilt element when we see that happen I think it's really worthwhile that then we reflect and see and identify that that patterns happen the thing that frustrates me a little bit more is that that subliminal kind of uh, marketing element of you know the classic of without mentioning the name but you know take a break Ever, you know, it's, yeah. it, once you pop, you can't stop. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of slogans and stuff. So, although we can identify, yes, that's marketing. We don't really realise how powerful that is. Because if it if it wasn't that powerful, they wouldn't keep using the slogans. Exactly, and the slogans are there to actually uh, allow us to have those subliminal messages to actually make us eat more. So, like food, food is business. And huge, they're, huge, they're trying huge to make business. more money and. 
fair enough. That's that's what they're doing. Well, then there's competition out there. If we're both producing the same kind of chocolate bar, um, I, I I want people to to buy mine over yours. So how the marketers and the promoters? How can I how can I shift, um, even just subtly the food the, the choice towards what's associated with my product. So if my product is going to give you, um, you know, a feel good factor and a reward element or something, then um, then I'm going to highlight that. That's um, one of the big things there. But what what we were speaking about, going back to the emotional eating and my own side of things, is that the situation we're in when we start emotional eating is usually we then want to feel safe. And then we go back to something which has happened years ago and we talk about mindset and the connection psychologically. And I had all these fall-offs where it would be on a Saturday. I have spoken about it before. It was like Pavlov's dog when Match of the Day theme came on, I'd want to eat. Because when I was younger, um, my dad would come home for the weekend. I'd be around my nans, would eat nans cooking, comfort food, would have loads of sweets, loads of crisps, and then would watch Match of the Day. We'd have like three, four bags of crisps. And it was just because it was a treat around your nans. And then it used to always find that when I felt threatened, when I felt stressed, when I felt overworked, overwhelmed, I would turn to food. And I had to really dive into that connection. And a lot of people self-sabotage in the ways where they want to feel that connection they had. And my dad passing away when I was 15, I wanted that connection again. And I wouldn't ever physically get that connection with him, so I would emotionally eat. And a lot of people, and I was speaking to this lady about it, and she had the same situation with her mum. And there was also, uh, one of my, my mentor was telling me about uh, one of their clients. And I believe it was her husband was died in a car crash and he loved these certain biscuits and she found herself emotionally in whole packets of these biscuits and then she didn't realize it until she actually looked at it and was like oh wow they're his favorite biscuits it was craving that connection with him and and a lot of the classic with the with the emotional eating is that it's un it's um what's the word you don't get satisfaction. It's it's you 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 will eat as you say. You oh, eat yeah. a whole packet. Yeah, and, and then you, you want more. Yeah, and even and it's a, so, it's a different different to a, a a physiological craving element. You just that's gives you a feel good factor, but it's not really replacing the underlying need. Exactly, and, and there was also cases where I've said to people, don't have food in the house that you would find a trigger food, shall we say? But I've had times in the past where. I would have that trigger food out of the house and I wanted it so I'd go and get it. And if I was going through an emotional eating bout, it wasn't a case of the answer is not have that food in. It was, well, I have to sort this out psychologically and yeah, find I out what that connection is that craving. But doesn't that also have to start with identifying so I can, I, you, you're picking up a pattern. Yep. So a lot of people out there who will emotionally eat, but they, they're not really even on a conscious level at that point where they've seen the, the behavior, they've seen the pattern. Um, or they begrudging themselves that they look at it as from a, a willpower element, but you've got to to get to enlightenment. You've got to see the pattern. Oh yeah, you've got to see what we can change. Yeah, but some people do have a trigger food, which essentially a trigger food is what's going to throw their blood glucose levels all over the place, which is going to mean they crave more. Yeah. And they love that sweetness. They love the sugar. They love whatever the savor savory side of things, whatever it is of it. But that's the thing that they crave because it's throwing their blood sugar levels all over the place. But some people have triggers which are going to be environmental, which then just make them crave things that they 
maybe were missing from their childhood or they had in their childhood. I can relate to now. that. One of one of my my best kind of uh, reward foods as a kid when we were in primary school was to go to the tuck shop and they and I, I can I can still picture and I still can have an emotional connection the sausage rolls that were mm -hmm. in our tuck shop. I've never tasted sausage rolls better than it ever since. But it's very easy to associate that with yeah, the warmth and the comfort of what a sausage roll is. Um, so yeah, you, you can very easily get hooked into identifying or association with different foods being associated with different, different um, rewards or, or, or pleasurable experiences well, yeah. in the past. But even things where... Um, but that, does that apply also then to, the, to alcohol? Yep, massively. But because because you're looking also is that these are giving you you know they're pumping serotonin and dopamine and that so you start getting the, the you know I'm sure most people would have identified when we're talking foods thinking of stuff that we're eating but um, you know alcohol alcohol is probably alcohol is probably the the most significant one which is going to play with with it's all the those most significant neurotransmitters which it plays with all the neurotransmitters it, it'll play with your dopamine your epinephrine and norepinephrine but alcohol is the one which people justify more than any other. Well, it's socially, a little bit more socially acceptable. People go out socially to drink. Yeah. And it, it's the one where people will have one or two to wind down without realizing the impact it has on their sleep. Yeah. Oh, I can sleep better when I have alcohol. Well, you sleep, but not better. Uh, it's going to be disruptive sleep. But then, as we've said before in the alcohol podcast, is that you have one, two, three throughout the week. And then you have half a bottle of Saturday's lunch, half a bottle of Sunday's lunch, you've been drinking. Well, and also then throws out as a well. so ghost, I think, from this. <laughs> yeah, don't complain, it's sun. We've, yeah. <laughs> we've, the, 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 the daylight hours are shrinking. I'm not this. <laughs> I've got a little bit of a tan. <laughs> you're either in or out. Um, so what we're saying, yeah, so alcohol then leads to, throws out the sugar levels. So the next day we feel a bit hungover, so we have poor dehydration. And all sorts. So, what's the what's the key with emotional eating? Number one, identify it. Awareness is the first part, and then really looking into. I don't feel it's as simple as we have a lot of people out there that are trainers that are giving nutrition advice, rather than. Uh, and we've spoken about this before. That a personal trainer is there for you to go to the gym. And this is a whole different subject, yeah. and train you in that session safely and be very good at that. But a lot of people will turn to a trainer to say, what should I eat? Ask for a meal plan, which then can have even worse behaviors. But I think it's speaking to someone deep down on, on the level of who can actually ask the right questions as to why you're having these cravings. And that's exactly what I was gonna hint on, is there's a very easy, you can spend a lot of time whizzing around the, the element of what, you know, what's going on, when are you eating, you know, take chocolates out of the house, do this, do that, and, and focus on what, what's, what's going on, the behavior. Whereas, you know, that's important, there's strategies to put in place for that. But the big one is also asking is why, you know, mm -hmm. why, do, why do we, and sometimes that's not even obvious, they don't really know. Um, we use a lovely technique called the uh, neuroemotional technique, so NET, which looks for, um, uh, goes back and retraces kind of life experiences. So sometimes our behaviors are triggered 
from unprocessed emotions from, from left field. We, we wouldn't even associate. A conscious brain says, it must be because of this, yep. it must be because of that. My pet hamster died around, and then you go back, and sometimes there's some, some, some really significant shifts that have happened in childhood or, or, or how we processed emotions, have, which have left uh, chinks or we stuck. Um, and we don't realize that we've created a link. Thanks very much for joining us in this week's podcast. This is the end of part one. Join us next week as we continue this discussion in part two.